0: You are listening to POPCAST with Garima.
1: So good girls can have sex, but they don't enjoy. Pleasure is the taboo subject. Sex is actually not the taboo subject. So the vagina was called the Chandan Mahal. That women have an independent source of pleasure and their pleasure has nothing to do with the man. To be that person that your partner never wants to think about somebody else. You need to do something about it. You can't, you can't just say, you don't eat before sex,
2: you eat after sex. Hello everybody and welcome to a brand new episode of the Empower edition of Popcast with Garima. This is season 3 and thank you for all the love and messages for the last episode with Ridhima. Now if you've missed listening to this super interesting 13 year old climate activist, don't forget to check that one out. But right now, I'm so excited to tell you everything about this episode and what you will hear today. But first, drum roll! Alright, you are listening to I Am Besharam Presents Art of Seduction with Seema Anand, a mythologist, an author, and Kama Sutra expert, and above all, an incredible person, someone I have so much love and respect for. This episode is powered by I am Besharam, India's top shop for adult products. One stop shop to normalize pleasure. Now trust me, I have tried their toys and oh boy! I mean, I found things about myself that I probably didn't even know. So I 100% recommend go check these guys out. Well here's your treat. If you are going to their website which is ambeshram.com, you can actually get a 10% discount by using PWG 10. I'll repeat that. P W 10 so that you can get a 10% discount. In fact, I actually did an entire episode on sex toys so check out Ozar maybe um, the episode name and now let's dive in. So this episode is super special um, Seema and I discuss monogamy, cheating, applying Kama Sutra to modern day relationships, how sex is actually not a taboo but talking about pleasure is one the art of seduction um, versus art of storytelling, jewellery as a piece of seduction, aphrodisiacs, pan as a medium of communication and so many more things. So please stay tuned with me until the end to get to know all of these things. I know you're curious. And let's dive in right away. Hello Seema. Welcome to Season 3 of with Garima. Super, super related to speak to you. It's lovely
1: to be on your podcast with you and it's really exciting to be talking to you as well, Garima.
2: Thank you Seema. Uh, Seema you're an author, storyteller, mythologist and above all things I know I've said it before but for all our listeners you're looking incredibly beautiful and honestly I'm sweeped by how poised and you know you have this amazing spunk because you're such a prolific orator but you have this ability to stitch so many facts seamlessly and you do it with so much ease. I think it's it's amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so quick warning to everybody who is listening. This episode might be NSFW. We will talk about Kama Sutra, sex, the art of lovemaking, and all the ancient wisdom that Seema will enlighten us today with. So, um, you might want to consider wearing headphones, but if you are bold enough to start a conversation, this is just the right place for you. So Seema, I have a lot of burning questions for you. Um, Some of them are my own questions, some of them a lot of your fans have actually sent. And I know because we have uh, paucity of time, so let's just quickly get into it, shall we? Definitely, yes. Yes. Okay, so let's start from the history first. My first introduction to Kama Sutra vaguely was in the second year of my college. And just like most Indians, you know, it was a little half-baked, a little tidbit from uh, the depictions of Khaju And um, Kama Sutra was, you know, like a book that talks about a variety of positions. So what's the whole hype about? Like other than, you know, the art of lovemaking and the graphics of different positions that the pop culture products serve us, can you open the Pandora's box for us?
1: Absolutely. Let's start with talking about the Kama Sutra. You know, I'm so pleased that you asked Garima because I think that this particular story has to change and I think the people to change it are definitely the younger generation. So, the Kama Sutra is written sometime, let's say, 380 480 approximately 300 something eighty, okay. and it's a book about pleasure. Okay, now most people think that this is the only book ever written, that is not the case, it is one of thousands. As a matter of fact, the author of the Kama Sutra says that he's written nothing new in this book, he's just taken material that has been written over the past thousand years and he's copied and pasted the bits that he likes into the Kama Sutra. So the the subject was something that was delved into very, very deeply. It was believed that good sexual relations, uh, really good intimacy, mutually pleasurable intimacy was extremely important for a relationship to stay solid. And the reason that we have so many thousands of these texts is because every king who came to the throne would have one of these commissions. Everything would have one of these books written that if a couple shared a very, very good, mutually pleasurable, intimate relationship, then the relationship would be stable. If relationship was stable, society would be stable. If the society was stable, the kingdom would be stable. So it all depended on this relationship of intimacy. But what I think is amazing about the Kama Sutra is that for a long time before this, it was believed that a woman did not have an independent source of pleasure. Mm -hmm. And the Kama Sutra is the first text that actually says that women have an independent source of pleasure and their pleasure has nothing to do with the man. It's independent of the man. And that was such a brave statement to make. It was just such a, a big thing that that's what made this book so controversial. And Vatsyayan, who's the author of the Kama Sutra, mm-hmm. um, I, I actually believe, I mean, I know we say it's in this man. But I really think that the text and all the erotic texts of India would have been written by a woman because or by women by lots and lots of different women because our erotic texts are based on the pleasure of a woman they're based on elegance they're based on beauty they're based on everything being exquisite in its nature so that it it makes people want to elevate their thoughts you know you want to you want to look at lovemaking as an art form you want to look at seduction as something so beautiful that you want to pursue it more and more and so the the Kama Sutra itself, I know that everybody only talks about positions, but <laughs> what I want to point out is that the Kama Sutra is written as a treatise. You know, it's a scientific treatise like the shastra like the Bhagavad Gita, like a lot of these texts. And so it's written in metaphor. The average person is not supposed to understand what it was what was being said. You had to read commentaries on it. Okay. And actually, this is what made me say I would write the book because it wasn't enough to just talk about it so every single position in the Kama Sutra is um, allocated a piece of jewelry so in our text I was about to say that the Kama Sutra has inspired 2000 years of literature epic romances all go back to the metaphors of Kama Sutra and in our in our text we never ever say oh and then the woman climbed up on top and then she humped her way through you know you don't talk like that you would say she put on her jingling girdle and you knew that she had taken her position on top now the reason for the jingling girdle every every position had a piece of jewelry and that piece of jewelry taught you how to do that position properly because, like I said, the idea of the Kama Sutra is that everything has to be elegant and beautiful and should be an art form. Now, that meant that you also don't treat your positions or your love making like, okay, you know, with a bunch of legs going and arms going haywire and everybody just sort of thrashing around. That was not the point. It was supposed to be beautiful. So, you learned how to perform your position properly. So, when you were on top, the idea is that the best way to perform that position for Ultimate pleasure is that the woman should only move her hips. Okay. Okay. And I want to point out before somebody says anything about this, that it was about the pleasure of a woman. So the, the fact that if you actually start moving the top part of your body, it's going to give you a very bad backache mm-hmm. and also bad knee knee problems. So the idea was that you only moved your hips. And mm-hmm. so what you would do is you wore a jingling girdle with lots of gungrus on your upper waist and you made sure that the gungurus didn't make a sound.
0: Like this Sochcast? Tune in for more with the Sochcast app from the Google Play Store.
2: This so, this has to be the precision of, you know, of precision, elegance and whatever you want to call it, but the Goongroos shouldn't move.
1: The Goongroos shouldn't move. And so when you refer to this particular position, you always say, the woman wore her jingling girdle or he sent her a jingling girdle or in some texts you say the women came with their jingling girdles now that's a metaphor if you don't know what it means you have no idea what, what you're talking about okay. or for instance um, my favorite my favorite uh, piece of jewelry I have to say is the kahar or the satlaka, the the, um, the nine strings of yes. pearls or the seven strings of pearls for the sitting position uh-huh. Now the idea was that when you had this, when you uh, performed the sitting position, the 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 first string had to kind of move back and forth just a little bit, just very slowly. So it gave your lover little tiny glimpses of his beloved's breasts. Uh-huh. But okay. now you Im- now it says, then it goes on to say that in the sitting position the woman from the village will sit on the man's lap the woman from the uh, the city the urban sophisticated woman will sit on his knees now you can imagine if a woman is sitting on the knees i mean how do you perform this position it's not possible practically of course right think of think of yeah think of the anatomy <laughs> and everything so yeah. basically what it meant was that you 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 sit down exactly where you're supposed to you penetrate then you lean back so that your hands are on the man's knees, then uh-huh. you obviously, with, with, by doing that, you've lifted yourself up off the ground, you know, now you're yeah. balancing on his yeah. knees, so you're, you've, you've taken yourself off his legs and now you just have to concentrate on how you move your necklace, you don't worry about anything else because the rest will follow. And that was supposed to be not only beautiful to watch while you were doing it, but it was supposed to be arousing even in memory. And if you read about it, it was supposed to excite you as well. And that was the power of the metaphors that they used.
2: Yeah, and from, uh, you know, the little understanding that I'm getting uh, from whatever you're saying, I think it's it's a very feministic text, if I may, uh, the way Kama Sutra is written for women because it really concentrates much about their pleasure, their feeling, the things. But how is consent like in Kama Sutra?
1: So to me, again, so I must tell you that the Kama Sutra is written in seven sections mm-hmm. and only section two, deals with lovemaking and foreplay and so on uh, on the love arts. okay the rest of the sections don't deal with it at all but yes section 2 the bit about lovemaking is very feminist I, I personally think it's very pro women they were very into the idea of consent for women because again pleasure can only happen if it is consensual and so Constantly, the Kama Sutra reminds the man, do not get too carried away in your passion that you hit out so hard. Remember such and such king did this to his mistress and he blinded her. So and so king did this to his, um, his beloved and he, he, he killed her by mistake. Don't do it. So it's very, very specific that aggression and violence is not allowed. It does not permit any kind of bad language it even says that you know when you are in the throes of passion so when things are really really exciting and you know you are at that level of excitement and you want to give your your beloved a love bite and it says to the women that if he bites you harder than you are happy to take you tell him to stop and if he does not stop you push him back towards the bed you get on top of him and you bite him back twice as hard till he stops <laughs> Uh-huh. And I'll tell you something, at no other text, no other text that I have come across talks about uh, empowering a woman to to that level of consent.
2: And the fact that it was written, I don't know, like I said, decades and centuries. Approximately, yeah. Yeah. seventeen, eighteen hundred 1800 years ago. You just spoke of aggression and there's no way that I wouldn't ask you this. So was BDSM and kink ever a part of Kama Sutra or is it a recent uh, philosophy?
1: So the thing is, Karima, nothing in sex is new. Everything's <laughs> been around for ever and ever and ever. Yeah, kink, Kinks were definitely there. There is an entire text which is now lost to us um, okay. on the way of tying up your lover. Mm -hmm. because a lot of people like that as well but you know like forget about whether the Kama Sutra says it or not because unfortunately like I said a lot of it is um, been mistranslated and we don't understand it even talking about BDSM whenever my my, uh, colleague Amita you know the person I run the blog with um, we run a blog called from the Kama Sutra to 2020 where we answer all the questions and um, the concerns hmm. that people write write in to us about. And we we actually did a little thing on fetishes recently and we talked about the fact that BDSM, most people think it's about violence and aggression and, um, and a lot of um, hurting. Hmm. It's actually a place with more rules. People who actually follow BDSM properly, there are more rules to it there are more safe words there are more parameters to it than you would ever imagine so much so that actually there are people who uh, work with domestic violence who are planning to use the BDSM rule book for holding workshops on understanding that this is about consent, it's something that you only do with a partner when they have consented that you only do with somebody who's equally into it as you are that you have these safe words and if you ever I mean I don't know about in India but I know that in the west they actually have um, workshops where you can go and attend workshops on BDSM and understand how to do it and they will tell you they, they take you through it very gradually so they'll give you to begin with let's say a small kind of um, a small leather paddle okay, which, um, which they'll say okay now here you know you can spank each other with this Each time you spank, you say to the person, I'm going to spank you. When you finish, you you do it once and then you rub it. You have to make sure that that hurt is not there. So that is nothing out of control. This is the most controlled form of aggression that you can imagine. There's, uh, you know, there are people with fetishes and kinks around BDSM, but we have to understand that the kind of violence that we see being touted in the name of sex is not acceptable to any community anywhere,
2: hmm.
1: not even the BDSM community. And if your partner is not happy for that kind of aggression, you cannot do it. Right. It, it needs consent from both of them, I'm sure. Yeah, and the Kama Sutra actually says that, you know, um, two of the things it says, or no, three things. It says that when you get to that point of excitement, um, people will scratch and they will have love bites and um, even striking out, you know, like when you sort of strike out at the other person. It says, you cannot start your foreplay with love bites and love scratches and so on. That can only come when passion has got to a certain point.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So you can't just start off by saying, I like this. I'm going to do this to you.
2: Hmm. Yeah. And probably like what you have seen uh, in the movies of how, how they it to you. Because most of, at least Indians and the BDSM idea came from You know, the much uh, fantasized Fifty Shades of Grey that happened and you know, this is what they literally know about.
1: Unfortunately, I find that a lot of this, especially in India, because the subject is so taboo, so taboo. And you cannot go and talk to anyone about it and there are no workshops, there are no safe spaces. There's absolutely nobody. So Everybody who comes up with an idea that they read about, either in a foreign film or a foreign book, or even in the Kama Sutra, for goodness' sakes, you know, you read about an idea, you you pretty much make of it what you want to, because there's nobody to guide you in the right way. Hmm, hmm. Of course, I mean, you know, whereas in in the days gone by, um, as a, a The art of lovemaking, it was an art form and it was taught to you. So when young boys got to a certain age, they were sent to courtesans to actually learn how to make love properly. Because it's also a hugely energizing thing. If you've noticed, people who are very creative, people who are very energetic, people who are very successful, you know, they have a higher level of energy. Mm -hmm. And that energy is in all parts of your body so they do have a higher sex drive as it so happens because hmm. you can't divide up the energy and say mere itni energy and i will only use it for my brain and this okay. energy i will only the energy goes into your whole body it energizes your entire body
2: it's, it's amazing i mean uh, speaking of sex education of course it's a taboo we don't really get any of it and whatever we get also is into layers of Uh, you know, shaming and there's there's a lot that actually goes through especially for kids and a lot of people also asked because this is such an important part of our culture the way we celebrate Bhagavad Gita the way we celebrate any other ancient text Kama Sutra also is a text and it's not that babies are coming from the sky so my question is how can we make more safe safe spaces like these how can we enable more conversation starters like you um, you know Because of the fact that this is all ancient. This is our culture. But how do we embrace it?
0: Like this Sochcast? Tune in for more with the Sochcast app from the Google Play Store.
1: So I think that this is one of those um, subjects that we will all have to make a very conscious effort to say that we will actually stop thinking of it as a taboo subject and um, like I was saying earlier that you know the Kama Sutra is not just important in our um, background it's a really important part of our our literary heritage because it inspired so many of the texts Hmm. and even if nothing else I think that okay fine I understand that it's not easy to sit down with your parents and start talking about sex it's not going to happen it's not something anybody wants to do fine but if I always say to uh, people when we have this conversation for the first time, like what is the first thing that you should do? The first, the tiniest baby step. Just open up that part of your brain that deals with pleasure. Most women at least have closed up, they've locked up that part of their brain because we've been taught that they're good girls. You know, um, they don't, enjoy sex so good girls can have sex but they don't enjoy so pleasure is the taboo subject sex is actually not the taboo subject you know we can go out into parties and tell rude jokes and full of you know sexual innuendo and things no problem it's the moment you start talking about pleasure that everybody goes ah i can't talk about this now so i always say that okay don't talk about it necessarily But it is a very natural part of your life. So how about you just open up that part of your brain and just give yourself permission to think what might give you pleasure. Don't act upon it. Don't do anything. Just think about it. Hmm. Just allow yourself to think about it. True. Hmm. And this is because I always feel that there is um, a lot of the older generation also have to change the way you know a lot of people will say oh no it's okay I don't want to talk about it the youngsters they're fine they'll find their own equation but you know you whatever we talk about we will pass our thoughts and ideas down to our kids it's not going to happen that they're going to grow up in this void which is you know which means something else totally Hmm. we all will pass down our own ideas to our um, to the next generation and somewhere or the other those little taboos and those stereotypes will crop up hmm. so it is our it's our responsibility as well somewhere to to start changing but yeah. as far as the younger generation is concerned i'm always happy to see that they have a different idea of it but somewhere this whole idea of guilt comes in you know, it's about oh my God is it because I sinned was this a sin we just need to stop thinking of it as a sin it's not a sin I'll tell you what's a sin rape is a sin hmm. rape is aggressive rape is violence rape is bad rape is a sin and there is no two ways about it hmm. pleasure is not a sin pleasure has yeah. got nothing to do with aggression pleasure should
2: pleasure should be there in our lives. well absolutely we all deserve pleasure and pleasure is paramount now if you are finding ways or looking around to get yourself pleasured and if you do not have your partner around then you don't have to wait because you can go to imbeshram.com check their clitoral stimulator and thank me later you can also use pwg 10 which is podcast with garima 10 so you can use the coupon code PWG10 to get a 10% discount off and both you and your Madan Chatri, well, you're welcome. Also don't forget to check out the next two episodes with Seema which is pop shots. Uh, One is around the forbidden 69 position, the much hyped 69 position, Uh, it's a super interesting episode and the second pop shot is Kama Sutra for the Queer. Um, we're talking about only prayog, different mudras to pleasure a woman, and if it is okay to have sex before marriage. We're also talking about aphrodisiacs. And right now, I will quickly take you to the podcast playlist. If you are somebody new here uh, and listening to the podcast first time, our podcast playlist is a curated playlist where I put down five of my uh, top favourite songs that I am jamming onto. Oh also also, after the playlist, I will be in conversation with Jitendra Ajmera. For the season 3, I actually got some of my listeners, Seema's fans to join me on the recording and ask their question to Seema. So you will hear this amazing conversation with Jitendra, Seema and myself and we are discussing art of seduction and the art of storytelling so do come back for that one all right the number one song on the podcast playlist is a song which is actually part of the season two of the podcast as well Uh, this one's called touch by shura it's got a super synth pop uh, 90s r&b vibe in fact i actually recommend you to go watch the video it's a beautiful Animated pride video, also a super breakup, denial, romantic, love affair kind of song. So go check it out. Next up on the playlist is this super underrated song from 2017, Kameha Meha. It's by space girl Jemmy featuring Slug Artist. Um, now, this is the typical bad bitch boss babe vibe song that I actually end up listening when I'm working at like 2 or 3 in the night. Um, I think it's a super amazing vibe. Go check it out. Purple vomit on your new Air Force Girl, in your lungs Got a lot of bitches And they all calling me mom Man, they love me out here But not where I'm from Now all these hoes they wanna be my friend, they know me
1: international.
2: We all up in Japan, like Ware Ware Wahijon Itakai. That's Watashi Wajime no Miro Koto Gade Kima I pull up in a spaceship, got Kawaii bitches waiting. Tamagotchi on my bracelet, bitch, cause that's what I be playing. Being Kamehameha, come come on these hoes, you know that we stay slain. Kamehameha. Come Welcome back. Next up on the playlist is song called Izhar by Bavri Basanti. So uh, it's this Delhi-based musician Mahima Dayal Mathur, a.k.a. Bavri Basanti. I absolutely love the name as much as I love the song. Um, so the song Izhar actually talks about the taboos on public display of affection and PDA basically and you know it it's it's got this really haunting yet inspiring vibe and oh my god she's she's amazing
1: just go
2: check it out <laughs> गया शासन को तू practically सेले सड़कों पे लोग हैं खुले हैं बिना
1: रोकेंगे टोकेंगे फिर वही बोलेंगे कपड़े इसके छोटे संस्कारों में छोटे बरवरिश
0: western की फोड़े है।
2: करना प्यार का all right next up on the playlist is a song which was by the instagram sensation of this year i think tesher the song is called jalebi baby i'm sure you must have like heard it on so many reels uh so tesher is this indo-canadian uh, singer who actually got us hooked uh, to this hip-hop sort of latin music and edm uh kind of song uh, jalebi baby it's got hindi english hip-hop verses and i think it's super super cool check it out
0: throw it back and bubble up in front of me everybody trying to
1: figure out your recipe i'm just trying to get a piece baby i know that you want to get crazy crazy shorty take it slow then chitty chitty hey Hey, baby let me see it i just want to eat it baby Baby, let me see it
2: Welcome back. Last song on the playlist is uh, is actually what we call Oldest Gold. It's Sugar Sugar by Archie's. Boy, I mean, like the 60s pop music vibe was kick ass. And you know, even after 50 years, Sugar Sugar remains just like to be a ray of sunshine. It's such a nice, catchy song. It's got a great hook, um, super singable, and like. Sugar. Uh, Seema, I was reading somewhere probably that, you know, um, the the language that we used in Kama Sutra was was something which was also very feministic and very empowering, you know, things that you call vagina. And and can you throw some light on that? Because those, those terminology and jargons were pretty empowering. You know, uh, the
1: Kama Sutra refers to all of the body parts in the most exquisite way. Now, you have to remember that the Kama Sutra, so there's, you know, all of these books are written in the name of God. Okay. Okay. So we we never write a book just for the sake of writing a book. All these old texts were written in the name of God. Now, you can imagine that if you're writing in the name of some deity or the other, you're not going to use bad language. Hmm. So um, the Kama Sutra is written in the name of Goddess Saraswati.
2: Because it was
0: believed.
1: Yeah, so it's actually in the name of Saraswati because only a man who is culturally well versed makes a really desirable lover, according to that.
2: You know, this should be taken out and framed. Can you please repeat (laughs) this again?
1: (laughs) So, you know, most people think that, okay, if a guy is rich, it's everything. They were like, okay, there's a lot of rich guys. Forget it. That's not what makes you important. Only a man who is culturally well-versed makes a really desirable lover. Wow. And I think that that's, yeah, I think that that's amazing, which is why the 64 skills of the Kama Sutra are really about the um, artistic skills. You know, it's about learning how to sing. It's about playing instruments. You, every man had to learn how to play the veena. Every man had to have a veena in his bedroom. And when he was seducing a woman, when he had his beloved come over, and um, before they made love, playing on the veena was part of the foreplay. Wow. Yeah. So the uh, there's a lot over there that goes into this whole idea of um, elegance and beauty and, and accomplishments and so on, you know, to make yourself interesting and diverse and fascinating, uh, somebody that you want to be with. Mm -hmm. So, part of this whole thing is that the woman, I mean, we're saying that the universe will run better if the woman is pleasured. Hence, you can imagine that the woman is referred to in very, very beautiful words and terminology. So, the vagina was called the Chandan Mahal. Wow. Because it was supposed to be like this, you know, the most treasured of place. I mean, you can imagine... A palace of sandalwood. How exquisitely, beautifully treasured a place. How how heavenly a place it would be. So it's called Chandan Mahal. And the clitoris is known as the Madan Chatri. The umbrella of the love god. Because they say that for most women, they can't have Most women don't have orgasms during penetration. It's just not possible. Hmm. And so they have, uh, most women generally um, are better with clitoral orgasms. And so it is... Um, a very important part of the anatomy. Wow. Yeah. So we we always say that. Imagine if we grew up in a society where we heard our bodies being referred to in such beautiful words. How differently women would think about themselves. Yeah. Of if course. you thought that, that that the well-being of the universe depended on your pleasure,
2: how how differently would you think about yourself? True. And especially, you know, uh, with uh, with words like. Uh, the aggressive words that we see in movies like uh, your your vagina being referred to as cunt or pussy. It's, it's aggressive. They, there's some brashness around it and the phonetics of a cunt or a pussy is also just irking.
1: Yeah, you know, the funny thing is, of course, that cunt didn't start off as being a bad word. It is a biblical term and it's referred to every now and then. It just merely referred to that part of the anatomy but it has been used it's now been transformed into an abusive word yes. whereas chandan mahal you cannot use it as a gali no matter how hard you try <laughs> yeah so i right. mean i'm quite happy to say teri chandan mahal ki you know
2: <laughs> yeah probably um, the most empowering gali.
1: <laughs>
2: yeah sutra has these innovative codes for Um, Love messages of how you should apply perfume to different parts of your body and then there are you said there are different types of kissings um, Yeah, where you want to massage your lover's feet and the jewelry and all of that So how can we apply Kama Sutra to our modern day relationships because I don't think anybody wears a seven string or a nine string heart anymore or I don't I don't really know of people you know who will have pan probably and uh, pass on the message uh, because there's a very far, there's a great anecdote about pan also that you mentioned to me on our first conversation.
0: Like this Sochcast, tune in for more with the Sochcast app from the Google Play Store.
1: Yeah, pan it was uh, used as love messages. Different types of pan was to um, have different types of love messages. So my thing is that. Um, we have different tools these days in those days they didn't have phones and text messages and whatsapp so they use different types of fun and they use different ways of sending each other messages Hmm. today we can do this on whatsapp and text okay Hmm. now uh the other thing is the jewelry i always say that okay you can't necessarily wear that okay occasionally it might be quite nice to get into a certain piece of jewelry and try out something fun for a change you can't do it on an everyday basis but the biggest thing that is recommended in every single chapter of the Kama Sutra is communication Ah. so when we talk about the love codes for instance you know the more kind of little love codes that two people have between themselves the more intimate their relationship if they have little words for certain things that they do or certain things that they've enjoyed or whatever just a little tiny tiny words that just exist between the two of them right it's like a, a little special secret between the two of them and it causes it creates more intimacy it creates more closeness So I always recommend that the the first thing you need to do is to communicate. You need to start getting yourself to that point where you understand that it's all about how much you want that other person and how much you want to be part of that other person's life and inject a little bit of humor into it. (laughs) So be ready to laugh about things. Sex and lovemaking should be joyous, not serious. So yes, you can't get into a piece of jewelry every day, but you know what? Take a photo of a jingling girdle and every now and then send it to your partner. Send it to him or send it to her or whatever. Just as a little thing to say, I'm thinking of you and I'm thinking of something that we could do together. You know, you don't have to be doing it. But it certainly gets the other person's juices flowing because you're you're suddenly thinking about the same thing. We talk about the same thing with, with teeth. You had to have um, certain types of love bites depicted, whatever. I don't know. Go brush your teeth and send, send somebody a photo, a selfie with your with your teeth showing, I don't know, or get a manicure for your lump scratches and just send a photo of your your manicure. It's all about that thing, that little passage in the brain, you know, that little bit that says pleasure is a good thing and I have every right to pleasure and it'll be nice if we can be part of each other's pleasure. Yeah. And so it's just about opening up that communication. And I think that the Kama Sutra gives us so many little ideas that I absolutely love it. I just think that the idea of pawn, I love the idea of pawn. I love the idea of being seduced by different types of pawn. <laughs> I mean, there was a pawn for everything. There was even a pawn to get rid of your unwanted guests. It's like, okay, wow. now I want to be alone with my beloved, and you people have hung out in my house for far too long. Now get lost. You would give them all a pan with a little bit of cinnamon in it, and there'd be a chal, ka time, okay? You know, like, like, let's go. This is very subtle, actually. It's very subtle. And for that, it is, like I said, it's all about communication because a lot of people will say, well, okay, um, I might know this, but my partner doesn't. So, yes, it is about opening up that communication. It's about getting closer. And I do believe that the more you increase your intimacy, the more you increase your pleasure, it does increase your closeness. It really does. So long as it's mutual, it really will. Right. And as far as the perfume is concerned, I'll tell you what, Garima, that is something that's just exciting. I mean, just imagine it's for yourself as well. Imagine perfuming your body for yourself before you go to make love. Just think of the different mind space it puts you in. Yeah. You owe it
2: to yourself equally. <laughs> so, what, what my understanding is that, forget after X or whatever, I think communication is the biggest key then to, to solving Absolutely. literally everything. It is, isn't it? Wow.
1: Literally everything. I mean, you know, at every single step and you know what does happen is when people listen to a lot of the talks that I, and I'll say the Kama Sutra says this come, and then they will write back and say, can you tell me the best version of the Kama Sutra to read? And you keep saying, but you know, it's written in metaphors. You won't understand. I mean, I've, I could spend an entire hour with you repeating it's written in metaphors. It's no point getting a full mm-hmm. pledged version of the Sutra, it won't make sense. You have to get yourself a commentary, which right. is why I finally, like I said earlier, I wrote that book, which is why I finally wrote that book, because I realized that a commentary was needed just to explain what is what, what does the jewelry stand for? What does the perfume stand for? What is the pan about? It's about understanding what the book was trying to tell you, not what the actual words say.
2: Hmm. Yeah. The subtext behind the book. Great. I will very quickly add Jitendra to the call. Uh, He has a question to ask you and then I will probably wrap this up very quickly. Just a second. Oh, yes. Hi. Are you... Okay, can you hear us?
0: Yeah. Can you guys hear me?
2: Yes, I think... Yes, yes, I can hear you. Yeah. Go ahead.
0: Hi, hi. Good evening. Uh, Good
1: evening, Jitendra.
0: Good evening, Seema. I'm not sure which part of the world are you right now, but I'm in India, Jaipur. So right now, we have evening.
1: I'm in the UK.
0: Okay. So, uh, first of all, it's so good to see you. And I remember Garima telling me about this episode a couple of days ago. And then I remembered uh, uh, meeting you in one of the conferences. I'm not sure which one of them, but long back. And I remember that story uh, which you told about how Brahma created uh, men and the women and earth then he, he didn't really know how to procreate and then, then Shiva came and then he told that, you know, just tickle and the rest will follow. So on, mm-hmm. the, on the same lines, I'm someone who works in stories and storytelling a lot. So I just wanted to help uh, you know uh, understand this, that how do you like if you would want to comment on Drawing parallels between seduction as an art form and storytelling as an art form. Mm-hmm. Uh, how does the one complement each other uh, from, from your perspective? I just wanted to know this.
1: I think storytelling is an absolute art form. Um, seduction, of course, is an art form, but I think that you we seduce the other person with our stories. It's the story that you tell about yourself. It's it's who you are, it's the it's your um, personality that you project outwards. That's what is seductive. It, it's because the person who is being attracted to you, drawn to you, is being attracted to you for what they see in you. You know, a lot of people feel that it's all about your makeup and your this thing. That can only interest somebody for a very limited amount of time. I mean, you can only look at a beautiful picture for so much time. You then have to, you have to have something else, something that will zing in other parts of your brain. And as far as telling the story, um, so forgetting about the arts of seductions for a little while and just talking about the art of storytelling, you know, stories are the greatest tool of influence. I, I don't think that there is anything greater than storytelling for power. If you think about it, every leader, every effective leader through history has used storytelling to be able to deliver their message. And people will always come to me and they'll say, well, you know, how do I make somebody do this? How do I make them listen to me? And my my point is always, you can't make anyone do anything. You can only present your point of view. You can only present your story to them. And if they can see things from your point of view, they can see your perspective, maybe they can shift around to the way that that you think. But in order to do this, you have to be able to tell the story properly. You know, again I find a lot of people will say, Are you know my grandmother used to tell stories? Anybody can tell a story. Yes, anybody can tell a story, but if you want to use that story effectively, then you need to learn how to tell it properly. And my top tips always are number one, you always start a story in the middle. Because a lot of people when they start a story at what what they think is the beginning. They'll go into background and explanations and then examples and they, and they want to try and explain to you what and you lose your audience. The second thing is you have to try as far as possible to tell personal stories before you can uh, develop your skill. where You can actually tell outside stories. Tell personal stories because you understand the emotion behind that story better. There's more power in it. And when you tell it, it sounds more authentic. Never get seduced by using big words. A lot of people want to use really fabulous, term, you know, like great phraseology and terminology and big words. and You lose people very, very quickly. And I think possibly the thing that I have learned most is that when you tell a story, it has to sound like it is just totally natural, like you're just sitting there and telling your story. Most people feel that if they're performing a story, you get theatrical. And the moment you get theatrical, your pitch goes up. You know, So you start to kind of talk in that way. And then you get more. So you put your shoulders down, you lean back, put both feet flat on the ground. So you really earth yourself bring your pitch down so that it's really nice and bass and that automatically relaxes the body and that's when you tell a story i don't know if that help. does that help you
0: yeah of course so because what i could understand from uh because i've been researching on stories a lot so what i understood from Siddhartha, so like the parallel for me and, tell, and just just comment on this if you feel so uh, for me, storytelling and seduction, like the parallel between both of them was the idea of celebrating the vulnerability of the okay. person. So this is what I could understand when I thought how how could someone uses story or someone sort of can draw a parallel. I could, I could come up with this idea of if the other person is really able to give you that kind of safe space where you can celebrate your vulnerabilities. That for me is, is, an, is a form of seduction because that's where... As you said, you know, you, you the person is getting attracted to the story and not really to anything else. It's, it's really the story that attracts the other person. So that's what Jitendra,
1: I. Jitendra, Jitendra, that's absolutely it. But if you think that you know, at any point, if you listen to a story, anybody listening to a story will automatically. It'll remind them of a story of their own. It just happens. It's just the way it is. You know, the moment I tell you a story, you'll say, oh yeah, that reminds me of when this happened to me. So it it opens up certain channels in the brain. It's like the ultimate bridge, the ultimate corridor of communication. And which is why if you are going to do that, you need to learn how to tell a story in a certain tone where it is not, because the moment you make it more theatrical, the moment you change your tone, you destroy that magic and then it becomes like a performance you're watching then it's not a story that's a little corridor that's going straight into your brain so yes you're right it is about the vulnerability the moment you actually open up your own mind to something it is your vulnerable space anyway but yeah you know whichever term you use for it and I think that if you can start with that point literally um, and then make sure that you follow through so that So that you acknowledge that vulnerability and you you acknowledge that this is where you're wanting to go. That's the rasa that you're trying to create. So what is the bhav that you want to put across? That's how they did the music in the old days. Um, You know, they, they said, this is what we want to create. This is the emotion I want from you. Hence, this is what I will put across.
2: Wow, I think that was uh, that was pretty deep. I don't know, Jitendra, did you did you find the answer to your question?
0: I yeah, yeah, totally, totally.
2: I think maybe more than that. <laughs>
0: Comment on this panel. That thank you so much for the time. Thank you.
2: So Not at all, sure, my pleasure. And good luck with your storytelling.
0: Thank you. bye Bye.
2: Thank you for joining us. Bye. Awesome. All right, so that actually brings us to the end of our conversation. There are tons of more questions that I have, but I really don't know if you have the time to answer them. Honestly,
1: I mean, in in um, my years of working, I have lost so many friends, I cannot tell you. I have literally lost best friends. Um,
2: because you choose to because, speak about sex and Kama Sutra.
1: Yeah. There's always going to be somebody who thinks that they can take you down. This was not the first person, it won't be the last. Um and it's generally, and it's equally from the family. Hubby, who now just, now don't ask for permission. But you know, for a long time it was like, what say? What do to I mean, I was always a little bit different. So they're going to say something about me. What the hell?
2: It doesn't matter. Yeah. But um, yeah. More power. Much, much more power. I'm actually looking forward to Art of Seduction Part 2 now. Like, in the face. (laughs) To everybody (laughs) who said anything ever.
1: (laughs) Take care. Lots of love, Karima. You
2: too. Lots of love
1: to you. Bye. Bye. Bye.